Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Hey, everybody. In just a moment, Darius Faru and I are going to kick off this episode of Beyond the Rut podcast. Darius Faru is an author of the book Massive Life Success. Brandon and I discovered him on a website called medium.com. And in this episode, I'm going to ask Darius the power of habits and a written plan. I'm going to ask him about what he's accomplished in the past year and a half. He's got a great story and I want him to share that with you. Also, we're going to talk about, I'm going to ask him about the prevalence of negative thoughts on our lives and the impact that it has on our lives. So uh, the prevalence of negative thoughts and, and how that keeps us in the rut. And then I'm going to ask him about some practical steps to retrain your mind to stop betraying you. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Rut Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry, and we actually are without Brandon today. He's got a thing called a day job, and, well, he had to work today. So uh, don't worry, you're not going to be putting up with me by myself. I brought on board a, an author from the Netherlands, Darius Faro. Uh, just a little bit about Darius. Darius is the author of Massive Life Success. I'm actually reading that book right now. He's also the founder of a movement called Procrastinate Zero, and he writes at DariusFaro.com. But he's also been found on Huffington Post, on The Observer, and a few other websites as I was looking around, finding out more about Darius. Um, now, Darius on uh, DariusFaro.com, when he writes, he uh, uses tested methods and frameworks to share ideas for overcoming procrastination, improving your productivity, and helping you achieve more. So, Darius, how are you doing today? I'm great, Jerry. Thanks. And how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, now that we've gotten our technical issues out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> The way Brandon and I discovered you is actually through Medium.com. You had a post called, I believe it was, 25 Things You Wish You Knew 10 Years Ago. And I, I'd shared that with Brandon, and he said, I don't like this guy because I have to do the things that he's talked about now. <laughs> and it was spot on because that particular article, I remember there were things on there that he and I had just recorded about. And then after we had finished recording, we had talked about some additional things from that list. And then like a couple of days later, I came across that article and I shared it with Brandon. I'm like, hey, speak of the devil. Boom. Uh, now, as an icebreaker, I always love asking our guests, uh, what is something about you that people would not know just by looking at you? Well, one thing that comes to mind is that um, often when I tell people that I'm a massive uh, Bob Dylan fan, oh, people are quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I wish we had Jared Easley on this episode because he loves asking his guests, what's the best concert you've ever been to? But have you ever been to a, a Bob Dylan concert? No, I haven't been. And uh, th there's also a reason for that, because one of my good friends went to uh, a, a Bob Dylan concert a few years ago in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And he told me it's probably not to go. It's not, it's not probably not wise to go because his voice is a little bit different from you know, what you're used to listening oh, to his yeah. old records. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to ruin it. Because uh, to be honest, I, I really love his earlier work. And yeah, and it, you can definitely see that his voice has changed over the years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but no, I'm a, I'm a huge Bob Dylan uh, fan. My fa favorite album is uh, Highway 61 Revisited. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, I, I, love the, I love his music. It's awesome. 
Cool. We may have to put Bob Dylan albums into the show notes for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Download your copy today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, now, uh, for folks who are joining us for the first time, this is a weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to live, make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. And so our, our target audience, the folks we were really trying to reach are those guys who are in their mid thirties. They, they have a family. They have maybe a corporate career that, uh, you know, is good from the outside, but just deep down inside, they know they need to be doing something more. There's a dream they haven't pursued yet. And so we're here to help you achieve that. And that's why we brought Darius on board uh, because he's, he's lived that life and he is living that life. And, uh, from what I understand, Darius, you've, lived in multiple countries. You've got a master's degree in business administration. You've got experience in marketing. Uh, why don't you tell us more about that? Well, yeah, like, like you, yeah, like you said, um, uh, people who, who live, uh, who, who probably work for a corporate uh, company and want to live the life that they always wanted. Well, that was me about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So that really ties in with my personal story because um, the last time that I had, you know, that, the type of feeling that you described, like that you want to live your life out of a rut uh, or that you want to get out of a rut. Yeah. So this was, is leading up to uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was about a year and a half ago when I was living in London at the time and I was working for an IT uh, research uh, company and something was just missing, uh, I thought, in my life. I, I, I'm, I've always been an entrepreneur, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I've traveled all over the world doing uh, marketing consultancy as well. And I ended up in London getting a corporate gig, which I really enjoyed, but it wasn't a hundred percent fit with with me as a as a person. So after you know a year or so do, being in that role and being quite successful as well, but I felt like something was missing. So about a year and a half ago, in January 2015, I decided that I wanted to change and do something that I always wanted to do, which was you know writing and teaching. But uh, it took me also another few months to get my act together and really make that move. So it is definitely something I can uh, relate to because making the the decision that you want to get out of a rut and actually getting out of a rut is always, you know, those are two different moments. And sometimes it takes months, sometimes weeks, or maybe sometimes years. So Mm -hmm. it is definitely something I can relate to. And I think um, when I look at my own story is that, once I decided, I had a, a clear focus. So all I did from from that point on was uh, create a plan. Yeah. Oh, and that's always a key uh, part of somebody's success. Now, was that plan written, or was it just something you had in your head? Well, in in the beginning, it 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 was actually written. Uh, I, I remember re, uh, rereading a Napoleon Hill's uh, classic. Okay. Uh, Think and how to grow rich. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I remember reading something like, you know, write down your goal and be, be as specific as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So I wrote down, like, you know, before the end of this year, I want to have, uh, I want to, you know, get out of this corporate job and start my writing career. Oh, man. And, you know, I, I, I put even, uh, even put a date on it and that's how I started, but... Along the way, I made a lot of adjustments, but the number one thing that I learned is it's just important to to get started. It doesn't matter whether your goal is, you know, spot on at the time. Yeah. It's just important just to get started, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, 
kind of reminds me of a recent article you just posted about maybe it wasn't recent but I, it was recent to me i just read it last night and that was about oh, yeah. how did you build the habit of running every day and i was like i bet this guy's gonna say something like you just get up put on your shoes and go run <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and in essence that's what you were saying like you, you made this plan you were going to build the habit of running every day and what made that possible was that it wasn't just the plan it was the fact that you got up and you went and you didn't run every single day you you I think at the beginning you said you ran maybe two days a week and you walked the other four out of mm-hmm. uh, the seven days. So you, you were getting to like, I think seven, six out of the seven days a week, but you did walk. And the key thing there, I think, and I'm saying key because this is Brandon's catchphrase and I'm filling in for him. Uh, I, I think the key thing though, is that you kept moving forward. And, and you just mentioned also that you were never really spot on with all of your deadlines or your milestones, but mm-hmm. You, you made adjustments and you kept moving forward. And, and that is so uh, important. I think that's a key part of having uh, that written plan too. Uh, have you ever heard of that, that Harvard longitudinal study about written plans? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, I'm, I think I have to dig it up through the internet, but I remember hearing about this when I was going through my bachelor's program many, 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 many years ago. And uh there was a class, a graduating class from a, a Harvard Business School, from Harvard Business School. And uh, they were asked, how many of you have uh, written plans? And then they followed up with these guys many years later. I, I don't know the exact number of years, but they found that the ones who did not have a plan at all, like they had some general goals that they talked about. Uh, I think they had an, uh, a median income of around seventy five dollars to $100,000. And then those who had goals but did not have them written down, uh, made about three times that much. And then oh. uh, they found that 3% of that class actually had written goals uh, either around the time of graduation or before graduation. And then when they mm-hmm. conducted that follow-up study, um, each one of those guys made more money than all of the rest of the graduating class combined. Wow. All other things being equal, the big deciding factor was the fact that they had goals written down specific with deadlines and with a mission statement. And ever since I learned that, I, I thought, gosh, I need to have my own written plan. I actually do have my own five-year plan. Um, yeah. So I, I love that you, you shared that uh, that whole story of going from, I feel stuck, here's my plan, I'm going for it. And uh, you, you've yeah. done a, a lot in the last year and a half. Yeah, it's uh, well, especially the, the the last six months, the first the first year, you know, leading up to, you know, doing, um, you know, writing online and writing my book and running the online course. Mm-hmm. You know, the first first year or so, I only did research. I read like more than a hundred books. Uh, you know, read every day. Uh, started the running habit, so I really applied everything that I'm teaching now to myself. And then, you know, started slowly coaching other people and. You know, when I got traction over there and results with other people, I started uh, applying it to a, uh, you know, more teachable formula. Mm-hmm. But the, the one thing that I really want, uh, wanted to touch up on is because uh, I noticed you saying deadlines earlier uh, when you said goals. I think that's something that's super important. And especially when I look at myself as well, and I've, I've read certain, certain studies as well that if you don't have a deadline, you're less likely to achieve something. So I think the deadline part when you're setting goals is super important because uh, if if there's no no deadline, you know, why are you doing it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It could be forever, you know, it it could take forever. You'll be like, I'll do it in 10 years or five years or whatever. 
But if there's a deadline, there's a, a, a sense of urgency. And even if it's fake, that's fine. You know, it, it will, it will uh, become real in our minds. And that's what counts the most. Oh, yeah. It's a huge difference between I'm going to interview Darius on May 14th versus I'm someday going to interview Darius on Beyond the Rep podcast. I'm exactly. Just, yeah. A little practical example there, I guess. Uh, now, leading into some of the content you do have out there, uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm currently reading Massive Life Success, and I think somewhere in your your marketing materials, either for Massive Life Success or for uh, your course Procrastinate Zero, you mentioned that fear makes up, or negative thoughts, I'm sorry, negative thoughts make up about 65% of what goes through our mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, how prevalent are negative thoughts and their role in keeping people living their life in the rut? Well. I would even go as far as saying that that's the, the main reason of most of us not taking the, the step. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the, 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 the largest enemy we have is the enemy within, right? Oh yeah. You're your own worst it's, critic, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not other people. It's not, it's not, you know, not the economy or not politics or whatever it is. It's just, just, it's ourselves, our thoughts, our negative self, self talk. And I think, um, that's why I, I wrote the book as well. And to, to be super honest, I really wrote that book for myself mm. as a reminder because all of the things that I talk about in that book is about how you can conquer your fear and how you can deal with that negative self-talk because if you look at it from, from a super you know, practical point of view, we often have uh, fears about the future, right? Mm-hmm. Or we doubt our set, our own ability, and both those things are completely based on just nothing, just imagination of our mind going crazy. So once you have the realization, I think that you can start uh, living a more practical life without fear. Because when I lived, you know, before doing all of this, I was more, uh, you know, more fearful and and more. Uh, aware of my decisions but once I let that go I started being more practical just look at life for what it is and not what it should be or what it was life gets a lot more practical and I wouldn't say easier because I I never say life is easy or you know like because we all have bills to pay we we all have families and you know people to take care of so there's that practicality Mm -hmm. but you know at the end of the day if we become our own biggest enemy, you know, like what's the point of putting in all the energy that you do put in every single day if you don't get enough out of it? And that's why I think that self, negative self-talk is is super important to address if before any uh, step you take. So it's it is definitely uh, a, a it plays a huge role. Yeah. Yeah. And and why is it that? We get to a place where 65% or more of our thoughts going through our minds are negative. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. 
Go to beyondtherut.com slash cap show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Well, I, I've, I've researched a lot, like, how, why is it that we are so negative, right? Like, why, why is our first response to almost everything like neg- it's negative almost mm-hmm. every response we have is negative right almost and it most most of it just comes down to evolution you know if you look at uh, our ancestors we we didn't live in 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 uh, safe environments and we often had to do like 10 times uh, 10 things at the same time like uh, spot the environment for predators mm-hmm. spot the environment for you know uh, People who would live in another village next to you who were, who were out for your land, for example. So we were always in this constant state of uh, state of uh, fear. But those fear mechanisms that are, you know, that were created or by evolution just to save us are now working against us because now we live in a super safe world compared to what it was. Uh, but those fear mechanisms still work for us, and now I would argue that they work against us so that's why i think it's really important to understand like where does fear come from mm-hmm. and how, what can we do you know to fight it okay it, it almost reminds me of uh how i heard that elephants are trained for the circus uh, like when they're really young they're they're chained up to a stake that's driven into the ground and it's practically immovable but by mm-hmm. the time these powerful beasts have gotten to the size that they grow into they 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 just have like this little dainty rope put around them and a stick that's barely put yeah. in the ground if at all and that elephant will not leave that space because they learned mm. early on never to try to pull because it's useless and mm. it sounds like in a sense we've learned not just within our own lifetime but through multiple generations that you you don't challenge the status quo you you play it safe and we actually live in a world especially if you're in the western world that mm-hmm. you know we can take risks that it is safe you know we mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the worst that could happen is we go bankrupt and then we go get a job make our money back and then try again uh you know yes. we, we have hospitals we <laughs> we just have, yeah exactly yeah. Know, we we don't yeah, have but- lions and tigers and bears trying to eat us every single day <laughs> Exactly. I always uh, like to ask uh, myself or the people I work with, like, what's the worst that can happen? Just like you were saying, uh-huh. right? Like, you know, what is the worst thing that can happen? You, you know, well, you can u- lose your money. Yeah. And like you said, you can earn, mo- you can earn it back, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it, it is definitely something in your mind. And, and, and what reminded me uh, of your story about the elephants was the, the story, uh, the research from uh, a professor called Martin Seligman, uh, a German professor who who did this study in the 1960s about learned helplessness. Mm. Have you heard about? Um, I know the topic. I haven't heard about him specifically. Yeah, so he he, he ran a studies in uh, a study in the in the 60s, and he ran a study with dogs where they put uh, dogs in a cage, and the, I think the floor had. Uh, some electrical shocks uh, system in it so they could give very tiny electrical uh, shocks in mm-hmm. to, to the dogs and they felt a little bit uncomfortable, the dogs. And the natural response was try to escape, uh, but they couldn't because they were, were trapped in a cage. And they, they gave the shocks uh, to these dogs and every time they tried to escape, they couldn't. So they thought to themselves, it's, you know, it's hopeless. I can't escape. So they 
became submissive and they gave up. Mm. But what happened after a while that the professor actually made it possible for the dogs to escape. And when he still gave them the shocks, it was really weird uh, for the professor to find that these dogs didn't even try to escape anymore. You know, they didn't even they didn't, didn't even explore the possibility of escaping while it was possible. And I think, you know, that's very similar to how most of our, us in the Western world live our lives. You know, there is always an, uh, an option. There's always something, you know, possible. There's always a solution to something. But we think that we're helpless. And that's why I think uh, he coined the term uh, learned helplessness, because it's something that we've learned through oh, yeah. society. Whatever it is, you know, but it is definitely a uh, a, a, a a thing that's going on, and it hur- hurts uh, our lives. I think, yeah. Oh yeah, we even I used to work at a uh, a, a shelter for battered women. Um, I don't know if you have a lot of those in the Netherlands or not, but yeah. sadly they're they're a necessity here in the United States, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, that is something we even found among victims, especially long term victims of domestic violence, is that. Uh, their environment with the abuser had created this, inv- you know, this conditioning that there is no escape. And so what we see is an average of seven to 11 attempts to get out of that kind of relationship. And and many of them don't ever get to the seventh attempt. So uh, I always, I always have a lot of respect for somebody who can get out of that uh, relationship, you know, taking seven to 11 tries. Um, but I, I think this kind of leads us into a, a good segue for the, the next question I wanted to ask was, so we, we've talked about how negative thoughts, fears kind of keep us, not kind of, they, they are the thing that keeps us living our lives in the rut and how we, we are conditioned for that. So what are some practical steps or practical advice uh, you could give to, for that person who seems stuck in their negative self, self-talk, their negative uh, self, you know, well, I guess all self-doubt is negative <laughs> and uh, that self-driven guilt about living life and success. So what kind of practical steps can they take so they can start shifting their mindset from negative to more positive? Well, I, I, uh, two things come to mind. Uh, the first thing is uh, presence or called mindfulness. Um, and, you know, very, very pra- like I'm a super practical person mm-hmm. and I'm not, I don't, I don't meditate or, you know, I'm not, into you know all kinds of you know religions or you know woo woo things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at it practically, like presence and mindfulness. The theory it goes just like this: often we live our lives in the past or in the future in our mind, right? Oh yeah. But if you look at if you look at life, there is no past or future. It doesn't exist because time doesn't exist. There's only now, and most of us just forget that small fact that you know life happens right now it doesn't happen in the future it doesn't happen in the past so why would you spend time thinking about it and that's when i look at myself as well i spend most of my thoughts in the past about you know about the past or about the future and once you shift your thoughts to you know now and start enjoying life uh, more and now just you know, having a cup of coffee of, or seeing the sunshine or whatever it is, you know, small things, just experience it. I think you can lower uh, the amount of self uh, ne- negative talk a lot. And that is something that's, I think, underutilized by uh, most people. And it is a super practical thing, I think. It's it's amazing because you have phrases like carpe diem, yeah, 
seize the moment. Uh, I was even thinking about, uh, you know, in biblical terms. So, you know, coming from a Christian background myself, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. We're only given today. <laughs> and, and hearing you say this from a different perspective that, you know, the past is gone. Like that, there is no going back to it. It, it, it was an event. It happened. You know, our mm-hmm. minds are the thing that takes, take us there. And, and the future hasn't happened yet because, you know, it doesn't exist yet. And yet we'll worry about what's coming in the future. Yet you're talking about a mind shift that starts just simply by shifting your focus from in time going from worrying about or regretting the past, worrying about the future to enjoying where you are right now and, and taking advantage of that. Uh, what else would you want to share with somebody who seems stuck in that, that negative self-talk, self-doubt and self doubt? Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So I think um, in terms of the presence, I would highly recommend uh, the book, uh, The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle. Have you, have you read that book? No, I haven't. That, that's a super uh, a, a good and also practical book about the presence and uh, mindfulness. And the second thing that came to mind when you asked the question was uh, stoicism. Oh, stoicism. Uh, okay. Yeah, because that is something I found also that's super practical because stoicism is all about uh, understanding what's in your control and what is not. Oh, okay. And that's where the whole philosophy starts just to give a little bit of background about the stoicism uh, movement is that it was um, made quite popular by a uh, statesman and a philosopher called uh, seneca okay. and uh, also by uh, roman emperor marcus aurelius and also another uh, philosopher called epictetus and these guys were super practical people you know look at a, a Roman emperor, right, who was the most powerful person in the world at the time. And he had these strategies for dealing with, you know, annoying situations or, you know, negative self-talk, even him as the most powerful person. And it all starts, I believe, with uh, how uh, how you uh, your ability to understand that there are certain things inside your control and things are outside of your control. And the funny thing is, the, the only thing that's inside of our control are like our judgments, you know, mm-hmm. our effort. Um, and and, and that, that's, that's about it. Everything that happens else, in, uh, anything else that happens in the world is outside of our control. So why would you worry about it? And oh, that's yeah. what the Stoics said. And I think that's super practical because often we worry about things that we do not control at all. So <laughs> why amazing. do you worry about it? <laughs> Uh, my my wife's a worrier, and uh, it always amazes me. I'm like, why are you worrying about that? Like, whatever that is. And, and she's like, I, I just worry about it. I'm like, what would life be like if you just let that go? And she's like, well, then who would worry about it? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should have Liv listen to this uh, this episode, too. Uh, so uh, just to sum up, I mean, basically, you're saying to shift that mindset from being negative uh, with your own self-talk, with that self-doubt and that, that guilt inside – uh, shift it from regretting the past, worrying about the future, to uh, enjoying the present, making the most out of the present. And in Stoicism, mm-hmm. with that focus on the present, recognizing the things you do have control over, like your own internal response to things and your own personal actions, and you know, basically release the things you have no control over. Would that mm-hmm. sum it up correctly? Exactly. That's perfect. That's a perfect summary. I think it, yes. a combination of those two things uh was super helpful to me and i think it is 
very practical and, and and the beauty of these things is that you can go out and apply it right now you know start really small you know enjoy a cup of coffee or your tea or whatever it is mm-hmm. and you know if you're in traffic today or whenever and someone cuts you off you know what do you do do you get angry or do you say well you know the only thing i control is my own response and you don't get angry right you just yeah. you know break <laughs> yeah, I, I was good enough of a driver that we didn't have an accident and, and just be grateful for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'll, I'll need to actually apply that on my commute to and from work myself. So I'm glad you brought that example up specifically. Uh, now, I, I know Brandon is going to be so jealous that he couldn't sit in on this particular interview. Uh, but as we, we wrap up, do you have a last word of advice that you'd like to share with those of us who are, are listening right now? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that was super helpful in uh, in me starting up and you know starting this career is uh, is getting feedback, mm-hmm. and getting feedback is something that I think uh, we often forget. Maybe because it's uncomfortable, or maybe uh, we feel like we don't want to hear some uh, some things. And I've written about this in the past before as well. As, it's important to understand from who you should ask uh, feedback because if we ask our friends or family, they're always like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's great. You know, you're doing well and they don't want to disappoint you, right? Yeah. That or they want to hold you in your little box. Like, hey, why do you want to try that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's really important to find uh, for yourself a, some, some some kind of feedback mechanism in, in the form of a, you know, a mentor or a coach or you know, someone you work with, you know, someone who, who's, who's less emotionally involved and who, who could give you some feedback about what you're doing. And so if, if you need to adjust, you find out in time before you waste a lot of time. So that's something that's been super useful to me. Awesome. Um, I'd even want to add to that as you're seeking that feedback, have the courage to listen and not just fight back with what you're hearing. Because I, I have heard a lot of folks will ask for feedback, and when I tell them their feedback, they want to rebuttal everything as if I'm wrong. And I'm like, hey, you asked me, and this is what I see. So you can take it or leave it. And so I, I think it, it, feedback is huge, and, and having the courage on top of that to to listen to it and take it to heart and, and go from there. Uh, so now you've got Procrastinate Zero, you've got your blog. Uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you, either to interview you on other podcasts, have you guest write for their blog, uh, speak at an event, sign up for coaching? I, I think I just plugged you like crazy, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell folks <laughs> the best way to connect with you, Darius? Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Jerry. <laughs> now, the best way to get in touch is, I think, uh, through uh, Twitter. Um, I'm just at Darius, D-A-L-I-U-S, uh, for room. F-O-R-O-U-X. And that's also uh, my website. There is F-O-R-O-U-X.com. And you'll find my email over there. So I'm super responsive uh, through email and uh, Twitter. So, yeah, if you want to get in touch, feel free to do so. And Darius, you really are very responsive with your email and your Twitter. That's that's how we connected so quickly. And it's been amazing. Uh, Thank you for coming on the show, Darius. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Rut. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you thought about this show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do so. 
Now, you can find all the show notes for this episode at beyondtherut.com slash 042, because this is episode 42. And the best way you can support our show right now is to share us with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, even that guy that you don't quite know, but you know he needs to listen to our show. Share us with that guy, too. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Rut. And now, a random, dramatic reading of Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Thanks, I muttered, looking away. I headed for the stairs while Charlie waved from the doorway. Wait, Bella, he said. I cringed. Had Billy gotten something in before I'd joined them in the living room? But Charlie was relaxed, still grinning from the unexpected visit. I didn't get a chance to talk to you tonight. How was your day? Uh, good. I hesitated with one foot on the first stair, searching for details I could safely share. My badminton team won all four games. Wow. I didn't know you could play badminton. Well, actually I can't, but... My partner is really good, I admitted. Who is it? He asked, with a token interest. Um, Mike Newton, I told him reluctantly. Oh, yeah, you said you were friends with the Newton kid, he perked up. Nice family. He mused for a minute. Why didn't you ask him to the dance this weekend? Dad, I groaned. He's kind of dating my friend Jessica. Besides, you know I can't dance. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.